for happening. Is it a bit quiet in the room today? We're all warm, relaxed. Have you noticed that we have uh, a particular... Now, I'm, I'm just clicking... Yeah, there we go. Have you noticed that there's going to be a postal vote coming up? Has anyone, has anyone been aware of that, a postal vote that's coming up? I thought I'd just, just pause, hit the pause button for a, a moment this morning and just say, um, you know, there's going to be some people in, in this discussion that say, you know what, this is about equal love. And there's some other people in this discussion is going to say, it's about unequal composition. And I thought, I, I wonder if I might just share for a moment and, and just get us thinking about this because it's something that's going to uh, connect with us nationwide. Um, you see, we live in this thing called a, a secular democracy uh, of which not everyone shares the same opinions as the person next door. And uh, if you asked me, and I'd say I kind of embrace what Jesus says about marriage and I think that's between what he says between a man and a woman, but not everyone agrees with me necessarily on that. And then you might agree on that, but sort of say it might be okay for other people. And so we're caught up in this discussion right now, aren't we? Yeah? And it's really simple and straightforward. And have you noticed it gets a little heated? If you watch any Facebook stuff, uh, it can get a little heated. So my, my uh, uh, I guess, uh, inclination to you would be to say, don't do the Facebook thing at all. But really engage in the discussion. And in a few weeks' time when this comes up, I guess I just wanted to share with you three little thoughts as the nation goes to decide on something that people are clearly really divided on. Um, first thing I want to say is that if, if you kind of have embraced the idea of following Jesus and you embrace the idea of this, this idea of an ancient ritual from uh, his kind of perspective as between kind of a man and a woman, not a man and a man or a woman and a woman, then I just want to say to you is that, that marriage is actually not yours or ours, if you like. In fact, it's no one's. Cultures all throughout the world have been doing marriage for millennia. It just so happens we live in a country right now that has this kind of Judeo-Christian heritage, and, and I like that heritage, but here we are a couple of hundred years later after uh, sort of the, the laws have been established as far as white people go, and there's marriages. It's not ours, actually. People have been doing marriage all throughout than for the world for millennia. I'm kind of making sense. The second thing I want to say is that uh, according to New Zealand, I've been fishing there and Canada, the sky won't fall in whichever way this discussion goes. I just want you to know that. In fact, the, the number of people that this affects in, in, any, in our culture in Australia will actually be less than 1%. And, and that's of couples who are actually cohabitating. If you take it as a, a, a population on the whole, it's actually less than, far less than 1%. So that's what this discussion kind of is. And the, the third thing I want to say is that as I've been thinking about this discussion and wanting to hold to convictions, but also have compassion, remember that, and loving humanity and living with humility, but also having courage, I've been implanted in that. And I thought to myself, just having this discussion right now in our community, I thought, when did Jesus followers ever say to their government, could you, could you tell me what you think the church should look like? Could you please tell me what you think it should look like to follow Jesus? Could you please tell me what you think about marriage and, and could you tell us? And so I kind of sit in this curious space of going, I wonder if, if it might be time to for people who kind of have a conviction for following Jesus want to say, actually, I wonder where marriage might sit uh, and that we actually don't look to any other authority to tell us what that looks like. In fact, we might embrace kind of one that might hold to some of the convictions that I hold, but have that separate from what the government might think or tell or say. So they're just the things that are going around in my head as I'm thinking about this postal vote. But there's one thing that sits with me front and centre, 
And that's these words of a, a follower of Jesus called Peter. And he, um, centuries ago, wrote this in a, in a Roman outpost that was under a lot of pressure from the outside community to conform uh, to their way rather than what he was thinking. But he says this to would-be followers of Jesus. If anyone asks you about the hope that you have as a follower of Jesus, as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way and keep your conscience clear. I think clear within yourself and clear before God. So wherever you fall in this discussion and this this debate and this postal vote, that's the thing that I think is most important in the scheme of things. Kind of makes sense? All right, enough. I might have pressed enough buttons right here this morning, so I'm just going to press into this next thing. Prayer. Prayer. As a minister of a church, I've actually been involved in a number of different curious, humorous, funny things to do with prayer. A number of years ago, I went into Box Hill Hospital to visit someone. And I didn't know which room they were in. And so I walked into the front reception area and I said, oh, look, my name's Troy. I'm visiting such and such. And they said, oh, really? Well, who are you to them? And I said, oh, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm their minister to, the, to go to the church that I'm part of. And, and the lady said, oh, really? I said, yeah. She said, well, do you believe in faith healing? This was in the reception area of Box Hill Hospital. And I said, well, I believe in God, and I believe that he's powerful and strong, and I, I believe he answers prayer. So yeah, I guess, yes, yes, I, I believe in faith healing. And she said, marvelous, because one of my relatives is really sick right now, and I'm wondering if you just pray for them. And then she did this. She just leant forward from the reception area. So she was almost leaning over the counter at this stage. And I, I'm there in Box Hill Hospital going, I, I, I don't know what to do right now. <laughs> and, and so I, I stood in front of her and I kind of mumbled this prayer. I was from a different tradition, I think. And, and then and she went back down and said, thank you. And then I just journeyed on to the next. And I thought, prayer is something that is wired into the human psyche. Whether you're a religious person or an irreligious person, it seems to be something in our DNA that wants to reach out, that wants to call out, that wants to cry out to something or someone beyond. And over the past weeks, we've talked about a number of different um, aspects to do with that that Prayer Boy so aptly reviewed. But today I want to talk about the whole idea about blockages, about the whole idea, are, are there things in people's lives that actually might block the prayers that they might be praying to God? We get the idea of blockages, don't we? Um, some years ago when my wife and I, we had purchased a house down in Nilma, just outside of Warrigal, and uh, uh, it, w- it was there in the first year of being married that when we started to run our grey water, I just want to uh, emphasize it was our grey water and no other color, and then the, the taps and then the showers, and then the what we found is that if, if you let the water flow long enough, it would just bank up. It took a long time for the kitchen sink to... And it took a long time for the, you could put, run a shower and it would turn into a bath, yeah? And and you'd be ankle deep. So one day I decided to to discover what is going on here? Why is it not clearing? And I started to dig around at the back of the house and I discovered that all of the grey water had been actually piped into one channel, a 30 metre long piece of PVC and then a 6 metre Aggie pipe that tilted just to the right. So everything was going into just the grey water. Everything was going into just three metres, And it seems that the people before us had believed in sharing. So they had shared their hair, their soap, their food, everything. And it had finally backed up so much that there was 30 meters of of blockage. And there I was, I cut the pipe, and they give you one of these things called an eel. Have you noticed those? And you have to pull it all out. And I tell you what, uh, I didn't appreciate the sharing. You see, there's physical blockages. 
But there's also relational ones. You might have discovered a relational blockage on the way here this morning. You might have had a conversation or said something or didn't say something that you should have had, and you're experiencing a blockage here this morning. You can just give a little nudge if that's... or. In fact, has anyone seen this person? Uh, I came across this uh, about mm, a month ago, two months ago. There was this Japanese couple, and uh, so the gentleman is Otto Yumi. He's the, the man on, on the right-hand side, your left, and the, his, his wife is uh, Karayuma. Kata, and and uh, she, she and he hadn't spoken for 20 years. They'd been married for 25 years, and, and they were discovered that uh, th- this man had only grunted or nodded to his wife in 20 years. So his children, his three children, getting to the age where they might leave home, decided, we need to do something about this, because this is probably not good for mum and dad when we leave. And so they got a, a TV show involved, as you do, and um, they decided to set mum and dad up. And so they were sitting on a park bench. It's a setup, and the kids, and this is the understatement of the century. Somehow it's been a while since we have talked. Have a watch of this. This, this is the first conversation in 20 years. We have to turn this up, I think. <laughs>子供たちがそんなに心配してるとは。ウィンには今まで今まで苦労かけてその前と思ってます。いや、しっかりやってくれて感謝してます。<笑> こちらこそありがとうございます。話もこれからは少しはしていきますので、これからもよろしくお願いします。ありがとうございます。And to bring people back together again. But you could see the pain on the children's faces, couldn't you? After 20 years, a conversation. When the newspapers asked, why, why has it taken 20 years? He said, well, 20 years ago, I got a little jealous of my wife paying more attention to the kids. And so what started off as one day, two days, a week, just continued on, and the gap and the block and the bridge that was built, that was torn down between the two of us, 20 years. So I want to ask the question this morning, if there can be physical blocks, if there can be relational blockages, can there be spiritual blockages in someone's life when they pray? So for the time I have remaining, I just want to cover four. Four that I think the Bible talks about when it comes to understanding prayer. At another dimension. First one is this. Unbelief. This is probably the one that actually is the most powerful one or the most obvious one or the most spoken about one, particularly by Jesus. Unbelief. 
didn't have this understanding that it was the amount of faith that you had. I wonder if you're here this morning and you've had someone say to you after you've sought God and prayed for God and for His work in your life and, and, and nothing's happened and you've had the very same person that was encouraging you say, well, it must have something to do with you. Maybe you don't have enough faith. Ooh, that makes my blood boil. Because I don't think it's the amount of faith that's there. It's actually something far more complex and deep in that. Jesus seemed to respond to just the, the smell of an oily rag of faith. I mean, if you just have a little bit, he'd run. In fact, there was a time where the disciples came off a mountainside and it seemed as though a boy had epilepsy and they were praying for him, for him to be healed, and it wasn't working. And the father of this child called out to Jesus and he said to him, if you can do anything, it'd be awfully great. (laughs) And Jesus said, if? If I can do anything? And then the father responds and he says, well, help me in my unbelief. And Jesus responds. See, it's not the amount of. It seems to be this settled conviction that when you plumb the depths and spend time with God, that it's not the amount of, it's where it's directed, that you have my back and you'll advocate for me. I wonder in your prayer life, if you pray, where does God fit and prayer fit on the scale when you worry about your work situation, when you're studying hard and wondering where does it fit, uh, or you're feeling unwell? Um, it's, it's not about not going to the doctors, but I just wonder where does prayer sit for you? Does it sit sort of high on, or is it kind of like the if in doubt, <laughs> at the, when the bases are loaded and it's the bottom of the ninth, only then pray? <laughs> I wonder if, if, if Jesus might say, can you just up that? Somewhere near there is the first thing that you do, unbelief. That's the first spiritual blockage. The second one talks about is this, darkness. Darkness. There's a time in the life of, uh, of God's followers, the Hebrew people, the Israelites at that time, when they'd returned from a long exile and they were back in Jerusalem and they're wondering, God, where's all the promises that you had said would happen? We will be prosperous and, and there will be bountiful things and, and, and life would be going swimmingly well. And they looked around and it was hard and, and it, it was difficult. And they're multiplying their prayers and they're calling out to God and having this internal conversation with one another. Where's God? Why isn't he here? Why doesn't he show up? And this is what a spokesperson, the prophet by the name of Isaiah says. He said, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But he just cuttingly, he says it and he names it so clear. He says, but your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear why? Why won't he hear us? We're praying, we're asking. And then, and then Isaiah the prophet, he says it, he just dug, digs deep and he says, your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely, your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice, no one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments, they utter lies, they conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Now, does that sound like a happy community to be part of? No. He says, if you like, you say one thing on one side, on the other side, when everyone else's backs are turned, you're living a completely double life and you want God to hear. I mean, you're calling out and you're asking for his blessing when you're a curse to other people. I mean, you lie, you don't see things that, um, you make up stories about people, you don't look for justice, you're, you've got blood on your hands with the way you deal with other people. Terrible. And he concludes this, so justice is far from us and rightness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness for brightness and we walk in the deep shadows. The other spiritual block the Bible talks about is darkness. 
Third one is this, pride. (laughs) I mean, isn't this just a great list we're running through this morning? Pride. The problem with pride is that there's I in the middle, P-R-I-D-E. And with pride, the problem with pride is that there's a lot of I. I can do this. I can do that. I'm all good. I do no wrong. And the problem with pride is that it's a blocker, if you like, to God. Jesus had this story. He said there were two people that went up to the temple to pray one day. One of them was a religious person, and he went up to the very front so where everyone else could see him. And there was a tax collector, a maligned person who was known for doing dodgies on the side, and he was, he was someone that was pushed all the way to the back. He said they just kept a little videotape of what the, the tax collector and what the Pharisees said when they prayed to God. The Pharisees said these words, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I have. Look at me. I, I, I. And Jesus said, but the tax collector, he stood at a distance far away. He didn't even feel like he could walk towards God. He'd not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I've done wrong, and I know it. Would you forgive me? And he does. Jesus said, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then the fourth one is this. The fourth one is this unforgiveness. I went to my GP uh, last week and we had a conversation about my cholesterol. Is anyone here enjoy the cholesterol in their body? He said, uh, there's some things we can't mess with with you, Troy. We can't mess with your age, nor that you're a man or your genetics. He said, they've just been given to you, but I tell you what, what we can work on is diet and stress and a few other things. You see, problem with with uh, cholesterol is that if you don't keep it in check, what happens is that it starts to attach to the lining of your arteries (laughs) and then it accumulates over time. And and then the problem with that is that uh, over time, it not only narrows your arteries um, so that your blood pressure goes up, but it can develop into this sort of hardening. And, And over time, if it gets hard enough, it actually not only increases your blood pressure, but there can be a time where one of the pieces breaks off and it travels all the way through to your heart, and it can be fatal, absolutely fatal. This is good news, isn't it? Marvelous. But you know, if there's one thing that also causes not only a spiritual and a relational and a physical, if you like, blockage, barrier, that can be the most insidious thing in someone's life, it's unforgiveness. You see, in unforgiveness, our hearts become hard. I mean, you've met someone who's actually hasn't forgiven someone else and let the love flow, if you like. And it's as though their life just gets trapped into this this moment and they're fixed in time and they become bitter and hard. Jesus says these words, if you forgive other people, When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. I'm not saying here that Jesus is saying you should just look past the the offenses that have been done to you. No, someone who forgives is someone who chooses to look at those in the eye and say, I will not repay in like for like. 
Because if I don't, Jesus is very clear on this, is that not only does he want the forgiveness that he gives you to flow onto others, but it's what does to you as well. If you like, you can have a spiritual heart attack. Forgiveness. Man's going to come up in a moment. And we're going to have some time to think and reflect. Some years ago when I was preparing to do some talks overseas, when I was studying um, at a Bible college, I, I remember it was going to be the two days time I was doing a talk. It was one of my first talks and, and I was revving up for it and, and I was doing all this work and, and I was pouring over it and praying over it and saying, God, I want this to be a really good talk. And then I had a little nudge in the back of my mind and it went something like this. Uh, Troy, you kind of haven't forgiven that person on campus who you have a bad attitude towards. And I went, God, could you talk to me about this sort of in two days' time after I've done my talk? That'd be really good. And he went, no, no, it just kept on persisting. So I remember in that space going, God... It really wasn't my fault, and I don't harbor anything really bad in my heart about this. Could, could we just deal with this between the two of us? And he said, no, Troy, you want to speak for me in two days' time, what I want you to do is give him a call before you speak. Um, it was just sort of, you know when God presses? So I ended up the night before calling out of the blue and saying, mate, I've got something I want to say. This has got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with me. And I just told him, I said, I've had this bad attitude towards you and uh, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? He said, mate, of course. Didn't even know. But the relief comes when you cleanse out your arteries in unforgiveness. Four spiritual blocks. I wonder if we've been praying and sometimes our prayers might hit the ceiling because, not because of God, but because of us. So there's a writer by the name of James who is the brother of Jesus. And he said these words. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a right person, a righteous person, a faithful person, someone who is upright and clean and whole, has great power and produces wonderful results. I wonder. You need to deal with that blockage today. Wonder. Yesterday I was standing on a footy field watching my daughter play Aussie Rules football. Who would have thought? One of the dads sidled up alongside me, who I know over time, and, and he began to share about his life. And he said, Actually, this week, I didn't know. He said, This week my wife was diagnosed with cancer and it's bad. And like, just as you're sharing, you can see it's just absolutely still in shock and tearing him up. And I just stand there watching the game and I'm like, man, I had no idea. 
He said, yeah, there's going to be operations, there's going to be, and he just involuntary, you know, when someone just burst into tears and you could just see him holding it together. And I said, mate, I don't know if he knows, if he knows I'm a minister. I said, but I believe in the power of prayer. Would you mind if I just pray for you? I don't think he even knew what I was doing, but I kind of just put my arm around him and just started to pray, not in a goofy way. I think it must have been so ungoofy, he kind of interrupted me partway through, I hadn't even finished, but I thought, God, if there's anything that stops my prayer being heard for someone else, shouldn't I deal with that? Because in some mysterious ways, you want to use us to do your bidding. So I'd encourage you here today. If there is, then respond. As Gonok sings quietly, as Gonok sings, why don't you confess, call out, do a U-turn. Respond to what God's saying to you this morning.